Welcome to Children's Ministry Monthly, a podcast focusing on the needs of normal, everyday children's ministers. We all started in the trenches. How you doing out there, folks? This is Children's Ministry Monthly Podcast. Believe it or not, we're back. This is uh, Episode 7, brought to you the week of April twenty second, 2007. We're always focusing on the needs of normal, everyday children's ministers, just like you and me. I'm your host. My name is James, and I'm the children's pastor at Sheffield Family Life Center in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I guess the big thing is we're back. Hey, you know, I am uh, co-hostless today. This is a solo one, but uh, I'll be talking about more about that in just a moment because we have a new guest host or actually a co-host coming on with us. Um, was supposed to be able to record today, this month in April, but unfortunately due to a sick child and the lack of a headset, uh, he wasn't able to get on Skype with me today. But I still wanted to get something out there. I mean, it's been since December. What is it? December, January, February, March, April, nearly five months, half a year almost. And when you only do one show a month anyway, uh, it really it really feels really long. But I've missed doing the show. I never wanted it to stop. But after the holidays, uh, good old Super Dave uh, had to call me and tell me he couldn't do it anymore. He's been adding more satellite churches He's collecting them like Pokemon cards, and uh, he's got so much going on that he can't possibly uh, you know, do the show right now. He's talking about returning sometime in the future, possibly, and uh, we would love that. But in the meantime, um, let me give you a ministry update for my uh, last five months or so, and then we'll move into some news items and then hit our monthly topic, which is going to be called Attitude Check. If I had to subtitle it, I would call it Supporting Your Senior Pastor. Uh, this month, uh, you know, it's been great. The last few months have been not so. Um, let's see, since December, we have uh, bought a home, refurbished it, moved in. I've had a child. Um, a lot of crazy things have been going on. But God's really done a work in me and done great things. But um, just to focus on one thing, I know our last show was about creative commu- communication. And I talked about how God had challenged me to really think outside the box in creativity. He literally challenged me and said, you know, if there was no stage to announce from, if there was no bulletin, if there was no videos, if there was no typical way to communicate with parents, how would you still get done what I've called you to do? In other words, challenging me to get rid of my excuses because I struggle. I struggle sometimes with announcements and things. Um, I don't have time all the time to go over and sit for a couple hours and make a cute video. Um, I don't always remember to get things in the bulletin on time. And um, sometimes the bulletin, uh, I know in other churches, not so much mine, but sometimes the bulletin can be unfavorable to a message that is uh, mostly just begging people to work. You know, the the concert and the guest speaker is always seemingly going to beat out the request for people to work in Sunday school, right? So um, I don't know. This, this, this has been a very interesting exercise And I'll tell you a couple of things that have happened as a result. One of them is I started doing what we're calling kids' life classes on Sunday nights. And I may have mentioned this in the last show, but you got to forgive me. It's been five months. But um, these have been very, very popular 
And what life classes are is I've decided to take the gifts and talents of my leadership and people out in the congregation and wrap a class around them. So right off the top of my head, I can tell you right now on Sunday nights, we have a knitting class and a crochet class. We have a motion choir or praise action choir, I call it. It's praise dance, basically, with motions and stuff, training kids how to do that in synchronized form. Um, We have a ranger class. It's called Rangers Advanced, and we just specifically focus on earning badges. We have one for missionettes due to the popularity of the boys' class. Um, We have a class called Cooking, where kids are learning how to cook. I do an art class where we teach one- and two-point perspective and stuff like that and cartooning. Um, we have a guitar class. We have, uh, a kickboxing class and they don't just kick boxes. I was really upset when I went in there and they had nunchucks, really padded ones, but how cool is that? So all those classes, we, you know, we start point being, we, we started these classes. God really gave me the idea and they were so popular that they, the lady that does the program literally came to me. And ask me for information to put in the bulletin for me. I didn't go to her. I just decided that I wasn't going to use the normal means of communication. Um, I announced it from the pulpit. And uh, I don't know. I wish there was a magical miracle that just happened. But in a way, maybe this is it. This forced me to quit relying on somebody else to make my requests known. It forced me to get out of my comfort zone and start talking to grown-ups. That's right, folks. I've been talking to grown-ups. How many of us in the children's department are in the children's department? Because secretly, we don't like our own kind. Well, I know that God doesn't call us to things and then leave us hanging. He calls us and then he gifts us and empowers us and apparently that's what he's done i mean i've been moderately well with get along well with grown-ups but i'll be honest there was a time i couldn't look them straight in the face i'd rather talk to their kids but god has really opened some doors and it forced me it will not force me it made it easy when i go up to somebody and say what do you do well what is your hobby who can't do that and then who doesn't want to talk about themselves so they'd go on and on oh i do beadwork well i'd really be interested in you helping kids get closer to God through relationships and through connections and through devotions that we do in the classes one-on-one with them uh, to do a beadwork class. You know, I'm, I'm going to have a skateboarding class. I've even drawn up the idea of having, I know this is crazy, but a video game class where kids play video games uh, and, can, and, and challenge each other and we keep track of their records and how they've done. And But secretly, the whole focus would be on teamwork and... Uh, Having um, having good sportsmanship. And when you're in the inner city, it's hard to go outside and play kickball. So doing this in the inside might be a way to do it. I know this has taken a while, but I really wanted to communicate to you that when you follow God's will, and you, and no matter how hard the question is that he asks, if you, if you sit and try to answer it and really struggle through it, I think you'll find that you grow as a result. And these, these life classes have been a direct result of that, of God challenging me to step outside my comfort zone and um, to, to just not look at what I don't have and focus on what I do. And um, so we've been doing that. This is our second quarter. We did an open house at the end where we invited all the parents in. And um, it's, really, it's really been a great experience. It's been awesome. Um, 
communication outside the box. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that really sticks out. If, if it comes up, I will mention it. I, th- I think there's been a few more things. Oh, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you one more. Um, for my other podcast, Nobody's Listening at NLCast.com, I have, uh, for over a year, run a forums. And for some reason, I never – the forums have been great. They've they've been open for over a year. we got about 150 people. You can go in there at any time, and it's just this great community. We keep it really clean and uh, a lot of awesome people on there, and I don't know any of them. And the Lord really just checked me and says, why don't you apply this to your own group, your own people, your own uh, children's ministry staff? And so I've created a forums for them. I will not give the URL because it's a private thing. It's just for me and my peeps. And um, But I have subtopics in the, in the bulletin boards for each ministry. I have a general discussion. I have an announcement board. I have a place for people to come and, and say hello when they first start up. And, um, you know, I, they're, it's taken off. And it is definitely an out-of-the-box way to communicate with people. And I'm really excited about it. Uh, you know, I it's still brand new. Not everybody's got on. About half my people have logged on, and about half of those people are checking it regularly. But um, I'm, I'm really planning on um, doing more with that. And another thing is I have never had all my ministries together under one roof. And so on May 2nd, we're going to have what I'm calling the Children's Ministry Summit. And I've got Rangers and Missionettes and Junior Jam and Jam City and uh, JBQ, uh, all these different groups coming together for the first time under one roof. And we're going to we're going to do ice cream. We're going we're gonna to feed them ice cream. It's going to be awesome. I've got Cold Stone Creamery coming in to do some catering. It's not as expensive as you might think. And um, it's going to be really, really fun. Another way to create uh, communication, um, not just between you know church people and parents, but uh, between my people. God's really challenged me this year to create community and communication and rewards. Now, that stinks because it doesn't have three C's. But uh, God, God doesn't, uh, God doesn't give me cute stuff like that. My thing is, I figure children's ministry is hard to get volunteers for because people know it's the hardest ministry in the church. Not one of the hardest ministries in the church. It is the hardest ministry in the church, in my opinion, for volunteers. Um, but why can't it also be the most rewarding? Because secretly, it is. And God's really challenged me to create, um, of all things, a video series of just three-minute clips of people sitting down and giving their testimonies of things that God has done in their life because they work in the children's department. Yes, it's a hard job. Yes, it's frustrating. But you know what? It's not all cost and it's not all pain. There's a great, awesome reward. And and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but uh, really, if, if that blesses you, if that's something that you can use in your church, steal it, steal it, steal it, use it. Um, I'm actually thinking of using the concept of uh, like, you know, Blockbuster Rewards and all these other rewards programs that we, we use at shopping centers and stuff um, and kind of using that as a theme, uh, children's ministry rewards, you know, that, that, that you know, you, you work and you work and you work, but God gives back. You can't outgive God after all. So that's my ministry update. Took me uh, 12 and a half minutes to say it, but that's okay. Uh, ministry update is over news. Um, I've already mentioned him, but I'll go through and give you some uh, bio on my new co-host. He's a longtime friend of mine. He used to work for me in the children's department of, over the fifth grade, and he was my BGMC coordinator. He has since gone on to become a senior pastor in a small town here in Missouri. Uh, John Beckett will be joining me next month. And he is the pastor at Maple Tree uh, Fellowship 
in uh, there in a small town in Missouri. And when I say small town, I ain't even kidding, guys. It is a small town. And he's got the largest church in the town. He 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 just walked into it. But um, that's secretly not saying much. It's a it's a tiny big church, okay? Uh, but I thought it would be really cool. Here's a guy that used to work in children's ministry, loves it, loves it, loves it. And then God called him into senior pastorate. And he has a passion for not just the grownups, but all ages in his church. And, um, you know, I just think his perspective is going to be very unique and very, very, uh, very valuable to the people that listen to this show. A lot of you guys aren't full-time. A lot of you guys do have a job on the outside, and um, you do ministry. Either you're brand new to it or you um, you do it – you've done it a long time, but maybe you're facing burnout and things like that. You maybe not under, don't understand your pastor or wonder why he does the things he does. Um, and I think John's uh, perspective on things is really going to help us. Matter of fact, we're going to add a segment next month called uh, Ask a Pastor. And you can ask me stuff, too. I'm a pastor. Uh, but John is is a real one, as they say. He's a real pastor. So uh, we'll be adding this segment next month and um, with, with to, uh, asking John Beckett questions. So what you want to do is if you have a question, go ahead and start emailing those in this month to uh, cmmonthly at gmail.com. So if you have a question for a small church senior pastor, send it in. Maybe you need to ask him how to approach a pastor about something. How do you convince a pastor about something? How do you serve your pastor? How do you pray for your pastor? What does your pastor need? I don't know if John can answer your specifics. Uh, chances are you need to go ask your pastor. But I I really think John has something to bring to the table. Um, that's our new... Oh, 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 one more thing. Uh, Monkey in the Middle is back. One of my favorite children's ministry podcasts has made a return, and uh, he's been gone since December, too. So it must have been just like a, a vacation time for both of us. But you can check him out at eight, uh, at heymonkey.blogspot.com. I almost read off the HTTP colon slash slash. What is this, the 90s? My goodness. Ugh. So heymonkey.blogspot.com. Check him out. He's back with a vengeance, and uh, we're always glad. One of my favorite ones, man. It's awesome. So uh, we'll be right back with our monthly topic, me, all by myself. This is James. And this is Jen. I'm the geek. And I'm the nerd. And we do a little podcast called... Geek Loves Nerd. At geeklovesnerd.com. It's about our life and our kids and our marriage. And the end of it. Is that coming soon? Um, you probably hope so, but I'd, I really would like to stay if you'd let me. Anyway, if you like hearing other people's business without actually having to know them, then you can listen to us every week at geeklovesnerd.com or look us up in iTunes. I think iTunes is rad. <laughs> All right, this month our topic is uh, called Attitude Check. And uh, I don't know if it's just me and my folks, but uh, I look around at children's pastors, and the one thing I see a lot of us struggling with 
is uh, discouragement. It's a thing that seems so real and so in our face. But I can tell you from personal experience, this year, 2007, discouragement oftentimes is planted by our enemy, the enemy of our souls, but he doesn't really have to do much with it after that. It kind of is a seed that we tend to enjoy watering and um, and growing ourselves. I really want to speak into your life this week, this month, actually, and hopefully just help to kill that that root of bitterness, that root of discouragement that so many children's pastors struggle with. The first thing I want to just open with is just to let you know that 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 uh, those those thoughts that come to your head that you are just a, a, a I don't know a useless person that you're someone that is not valued that you're someone that's on the outside that you're someone that's just a babysitter um, that's a lie and I can prove it very easily can you imagine God telling you those things no so who is it coming from it's coming from your enemy is God happy with what you're doing yes. Maybe you couldn't answer that that quickly, but is God happy that you're committing your time and your energy, that you're having to miss services yourself, that you're, you know, have taken on this, this burden to do ministry for children? Is, is he upset with you because you see the church of the future is now in the lives of children? No, no, he's not upset with you at all. He is proud of you. He's happy with you. He loves you. Um, so just know that those, anything contrary to that idea that God is pleased, anything that says that you are worthless and useless and wasting your time is an attack from the enemy. And though it may feel like it's coming from your own head and and though your life may seem to back it up and make it seem true, I will tell you right now, it's a lie because what is ultimate truth anyway, it's what God says and you know, unless you're just all, every Sunday just lining the kids up and hitting them in the head with a rickrack paddle, I can't imagine God looking down at your efforts and saying, you know, I, I just don't see value in that. He's never going to do that. Here's where where I've come to this year. I have found that a lot of misery and a lot of discouragement, like I said, starts with your enemy, the enemy of our soul, the devil, but then we are more than happy to take it up because we think it comes from truth. We think it comes from our life. We think it's real. We don't see it as an attack from the enemy and we take it and we carry it like a torch. And we, and some people actually take discouragement and abuse and they wear it like a shield, like a banner. I And it becomes a part of, of their self-identity. And they will complain and they will gripe and they will, oh man, I have to do this. I don't have storage space. I never get to go to service. And you don't know whether they're bragging or if they're, they're cracking on it. And it's because we've identified so much with our suffering and what we don't have. And we've forgotten what we're doing it for and who it's about. We've gotten focused on ourselves and our situation and we forgot to focus on God. And Satan takes that attitude and he applies it to every person who doesn't work in your ministry. We begin to hate the choir. What's the choir for anyway, right? All those people coming on a Thursday night and coming on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and they're singing and and they're just glorified and everybody claps for them and they get to perform. 
what are they really doing, right? And then we look at people that don't even come to church, or not not come to church, but don't even get involved in ministry, especially our parents, the parents of our kids. We love their kids and hate their parents because the parents drop them off and walk away, and we begin to attach to them the anger that we have because we believe the lie that we're abused and neglected and not valuable. Let me address that for a minute. Every single worker that I ever have come into children's ministry has the answer for all of our worker issues. They say this, we need to make these parents work. We need to get them all in here and we need to require it. And you know, it would be, it sounds great. But the problem is folks, and and if you're one of these people that believe that, here's the thing. And you know this already. I'm just going to remind you of something you really already know. Just because you have children does not make you good with kids. See, you already knew that. We know a lot of kids that need better parents, right? But we want them. Somehow we've decided that if they come in and help us, then all our problems will go away. And here's the other thing. Have you ever done recruiting and then you get somebody in there for a while and then they leave and never come back? It's because somehow or another they got guilt tripped into it or they felt like they should or maybe you recruited them or I don't know what it is. But I'm going to tell you this. Every single person that I've ever had that stayed was called, not by me, but by God. No matter how many times I put in the bulletin, no matter who I went up to and talked to, I can get I can recruit people. And recruiting is important. But ultimately, the right people are worth waiting for. The right people are worth waiting for. Here's the third thing about parents. You, we, we tend to get angry with them because they leave and, and they leave us with their children and we see them as a burden. But do we? Do we really? Do we love them? We love their kids. But, but in that context, we see them as a burden. They're walking away. They're not staying to help. How you see me by myself with these 12, with these 20, with these 50 kids, how can you go to church and just dump them off here? Don't these parents care? And all these different things go through our life. See how those are, those are really issues that the enemy is bringing to our hearts and not really what is reality. It seems like reality. But nobody loves those kids more than those parents. We can't. We do not love them more than their parents do. It's not impossible. We can't. But to get angry at those parents does two things. Well, it it, it puts our eyes focused on them instead of our source. They are not our source. They're not our answer. They're not our strength. Our help comes from the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord. If those parents all showed up and started working just like we wish we could, Here's the second problem. You love the people that work in your ministry. And sometimes we hate the people that don't. If you're that person on the outside looking at children's ministry, why would you want to go into an atmosphere like that? They hate me. They only like each other. What does that look like from the outside? It looks like a clique. It looks like a club. And you know, the natural thing to do with clubs is to exclude people. And you combine that with wearing your burden on your sleeve like a badge. I've seen it. A a lady that's been doing ministry for 16 years tells me she needs help. We get a helper in there and the helper quits two weeks later. Why? Because they weren't put to work. 
because this worker has become so ingrained in doing it herself that nobody else can do it right. And as much as they think they want help, they really don't. They just want to cry about it. Here's, here's something else, switching off parents, switching off about workers and talking about our job in the church. See, we, we get, we don't get focused on the right things. Sometimes we just tend to get focused on the wrong things. And we find that we are, we feel stepped on. We feel undervalued. We see other ministries get glory. We see them get the stage. We're on the outside. We didn't get to stay for altar service. Maybe your church has two services. Maybe they don't, but you haven't been to a service in two years. You feel like an outsider. The only time you see adults is either the people you're working with or people that are late for church or late for lunch. You never get to talk to anybody, and you feel like you're not valued. And so that translates into feeling like nobody appreciates you, which translates right into or transitions right into feeling like you have to be the champion of children's ministry. I've even said it. I feel like God has called me to be the liaison, the representative, the ambassador for children's ministry at my church. And I, the unsaid part, am going to make people love what I do and value me no matter what. And what's wrong with that? Well, I want to be valued, right? Side effect is my children become more like Christ with that attitude. Our job is not to promote children's ministry in our churches. Our job is not even to support our church, believe it or not. Our job is to support the vision of our pastor. But I can't do that because I hate him too, right? That's what we would say if we were honest, some of us. He doesn't have a vision for children's ministry. You know what? I hope not. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. Maybe you've got a perfect pastor, but most of them don't. You know why? Because you do that part for him. You need to have a vision. I, I love my old my my pastor, both of them. I, I had I've worked under two, a father and son. People go to them, what's your vision for children's pastor? And they'll or children's ministry. They'll say, I don't know, I don't have one. Go talk to Pastor James. And that's an amazing amount of trust, an amazing amount of uh liberty. It's great. Your pastor has a vision for your church that includes Every single person on, oh, no, he doesn't. No, see, you're asking, you're, uh-uh, no, don't do that. God has called you to support the vision of your pastor, to support your pastor, to support his family, to serve them. You do not have a purpose, a job, an anointing, in a room, a budget, nothing without his say-so. God has called you to serve your pastor. If you can't serve your pastor, you need to go. Now, I've been in a unique situation where I was unable to do that, and God told me to stay, and I didn't know why. John Waxwell told me to leave, but I was, you know, Jim Weidman told me to leave, but God told me to stay, and I realized why, because he wanted to train me to support him, and I do. I believe in him from my heart. My children's past, my senior pastor, though, Pastor James, does not have a vision for my children's ministry. He, he He's not giving me anything. 
Here's the deal, guys. Find out what his vision is. Read between the lines if you have to and apply that to your children's ministry, okay? And honestly, if he is anti-children's ministry and you can't even get anything going, pray, you know, ask God, are you even supposed to be there? Maybe you are supposed to be an ambassador, but you're an ambassador by supporting him and serving him. You know, we hear this all the time. Be faithful over the little things and God will make you master over much. Be faithful over the little things, but we never apply it to our own ministries. God's really shown me that this this last couple months. Being faithful over the little applies to room sizes and storage areas and volunteers and the amount of support you get from your leadership and the amount of vision that you're receiving from your leadership. Be faithful over little. Be faithful over little. Let me tell you the thing that straightened out my whole attitude. I was walking to the church. I was walking from the church to my car. The last person out. I know I'm the last person out because of the security. We have security in the inner city. Security guys turn on their truck lights and drive away when I get in my car and leave. And I started to get angry. And I was indignant. And I was upset. Why in the world am I always the last person to leave? I never even get to talk to anybody. Blah, 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 blah. And God just whacked me upside the head. And in a flash, it's going to take me five minutes to tell you what he did, but you know how in your mind everything can just go by in an instant. And he shut, I don't know how to explain it, but I imagine myself as a 90-year-old man, if, if nothing had ever changed and I'd been doing this forever, and I imagine somebody talking about that 90-year-old James, Pastor James. You know, Pastor James has been here. He's been the last person to leave for 50 years, and he's never complained. And I realized right then that, that's what legacy building's all about. I was going to ruin whatever God wanted to do through my faithfulness by complaining. Okay, that was the first instant. The second instance, the second moment was God saying, this is the job. That phrase right there has changed my entire perspective on children's mystery. This is the job, James. If you never get another volunteer... If you never get any more support, if you never, ever grow, if you never uh, reach more kids, if you never, 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 all these different things, if you never get another bulletin ad, if you never get another worker, if you never, 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 if you never get a set built, uh, can you do it? Because this is the job. This is what I've called you to do. In other words, no more excuses. Be faithful over what I've given you. Man, 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 we are so, we are complainers, people. Children's ministers are complainers. We look and see the video projectors that the big church has, and we see all the people that are dying, waiting in line to be in the worship team that can't even be on the worship team, but they're just, they're not even playing anywhere because they're not on the worship team and they're waiting for somebody to die, I suppose, or keel over or, or be sick, but they won't come and serve us. And we get bitter and we get angry and we get upset. And guys, it's not about that. Let that go for the love of God. Literally, let it go. And focus on your true source, which is God. You know, Stephen was a martyr. And it's so funny how we'll say, I'd die for Jesus. We'll think about it. I'll die for him. I'll die for him. But we can't live for him. Every day, these these little things like this eat us alive because we haven't applied what Stephen the martyr taught us. How did he stand there full of the Holy Spirit and not only explain his faith in Jesus, but actually call them the equivalent of hard-headed jerks for not believing it too because it was so apparent to him? 
knowing that they were going to drag him out and stone him, knowing that that kind of stuff was easy for them to do because he was focused on God. He was not focused on what they thought of him, what he would think of him, what they could do to him. He was just focused on building the kingdom of God. And guys, if he could do that at the price of slowly being stoned to death, hit over and over and over with jagged rocks the size of bowling balls, probably bigger, then can't we do the job God has called us to do? Can't we be faithful over the little things? Can't we support our pastor? Here's the other thing about pastor support. I know this for a fact. Any leader is going to attract people that is like them. You are going to get the quality of service from your coordinators and volunteers that you are providing for your pastor. God is going to bless you or curse you with the kind of people that you are based on whether you're a blessing or a curse to your pastor. And you can say that you don't speak ill of your pastor. You can say that you don't ha- you don't let that attitude show, but it does. Haven't you ever been around somebody that's bitter and they don't even know, but you do? We minister out of our overflow, folks, and if you're full of love and support and have a heart to serve God and your pastor, then that will spill out accidentally. And if you're full of emptiness and bitterness and anger, it's going to weave its way into every illustration, every object lesson, every illusion, and every communication you have with every parent as you say, have a good day. Billy was great today. Have a good lunch. I hope you choke on it. Thanks for not helping us in children's ministry. So that's the challenge God gave me. That's the job. That's what I've called you to do. Can you do it? See what that does? That gives purpose to every stinky thing we have to put up with. Every stinky thing. And let me just tell you guys, this has not been a piece of cake for me to apply this because Sunday morning, I had a lot of people that didn't show up. Sunday night, I had six people that didn't show up in just one ministry. And when we're doing these life classes, that's huge because usually there's just one main teacher and then a support teacher and there's 10 kids and every person that was gone was a class that went down. Ah, it's terrible. And cooking was gone. And that, that's a big class for a kid. Cooking. But you know what? I had to keep looking up. Did I falter? Yeah, I got really stressed out, especially when some of the people were my check-in folks and they didn't tell me they weren't going to be there. But uh, it worked out, and it's over. And I didn't freak out, and I didn't lose it. (laughs) And there's a purpose to it. There is. God's called me to deal with this stuff, and I've got to be faithful over the small amount of workers I did have. I went in my office. I'll tell you how I got straight out. I went in my office, and I started writing a list of all the people that didn't show up. And it was a long list. There were six people on it. It was all legitimate stuff. I mean, people were sick. People were on a missions trip. Somebody else was sick. Uh, somebody else, I don't know what was going on with them, but I ended up writing this list. And, I'm like, oh. and God said, okay, if you're going to do that, you got to write a list of all the people that were here that are here. You've got to value them as much as you're wanting to hate on these other people. And so I did. And I found out that list was actually a lot longer than the people that didn't show up. And it really gave me some perspective. And God made me use the list of all the people I wrote down uh, that weren't going to be there the next morning when he challenged me to call every single one of them. And again, if you haven't guessed, communication with grownups is not my strong suit. 
And I called these folks and I either left messages or followed up with them. And it was a blessing to them and a blessing to me. You know what? Satan hates that. He comes back to check on the seed of bitterness that he's planted. And it's grown into a gorgeous flower (sighs) instead of a huge weed. He hates that. And I love it. I hope you got something out of that. It's weird podcasting by myself. A little strange talking to a microphone, but uh, I'd love to get your feedback and input and ideas. But uh, check yourself. Check your attitude. I don't have a bullet list, really, of, of things to recap. Just go back and, and, and pray through. But support your pastor. Support your pastor. If for no other reason, do it selfishly so God will bless you in your ministry. You're limiting what God is going to do in your ministry if you do not support your pastor. Because God has put all of it, love him or hate him, and you better not hate him, but love him or hate him, you've got to support him because God has put that person there. Even if he came after you did, even if he's five years into it and you've been there for 50, support the new guy. Even if he fails and leaves, let it be because God moved him. Let it be because he was not fit for that church. Don't let it be because you screwed it up for him. There's no reward in that. All right, I'm done. Let's talk a little bit about uh, emails and stuff. Your input. These are all old. So all these people are either not in children's ministry anymore or they're um, – <laughs> no, I don't know. People st- might still be listening. We'll see. This is from uh, – this was referencing James and Dave, our former co-host. Um, I want to say thanks. I found you in episode three while out with knee surgery. I'm halfway through four. And I just wanted to say you have one more listener, and I'm recommending this to the rest of my staff. Keep it up. It's fun, educational. It tells us we're not in this alone. That's right, people. You're not. Thanks for your honesty and the love you both have for reaching the kids of this world. Awesome. Jeff uh, from Celebration Christian Fellowship in Washington. Thanks, Jeff. Um, I'd love to hear from your staff people. I want to hear if you're cool or not. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm a junior leader from our church. Church's Pioneer Girls Club, sort of like Christian Girl Scouts. I have just joined up a couple months ago, and most of the girls, ages 10 or 8 through 10, never shut up. Well, yeah, that's what they do. They talk a lot. My girl's three, and she won't shut up. What techniques do you use uh, in this age group? I've tried asking them nicely, separating them, sitting between them, using the okay now, we're big girls, right? And uh, we can do better than the stockade boys. Stockade boys, wow. Uh, she calls them shame techniques. I've used these shame techniques. Well, we know those don't work. None of them work. Um, I know one of the reasons they resort to talking is that most of the two-hour meeting time is sitting down and listening to a lesson. Dun, dun, dun! And that's going to change, but they really do need to respect me and the teacher more. Help Joanna. Well, I wrote Joanna back immediately a few months back, so don't feel like she's been struggling without any kind of help. But I'll just address that right now. You cannot ask 8- to 10-year-olds to sit down for two hours and not talk. You can't even ask me, and I'm 34 years old. You ain't asking me to sit down for two hours and not have some sort of interaction, a Q&A time or, or something, unless it's a really good movie. And even then, I'm going to go to the bathroom at least once. So what I did is I responded and I told her, you know, you need to work in segments. You've got to do segments. You've got to break that time up. 
And you've got to work in, you know, you don't fight against an eight to 10 year old's natural inclination to talk to each other. You work that in. Church is not just about learning. It is. It's about connection with God and with each other. If it was just about me and God and just learning, I could do that from a videotape. I could do that from the Bible at home. But church was just something about connecting with other people. You know, it's funny how we do this. We we tell kids in preschool, shut up and sit down and listen. Then we get them in middle school and elementary school and high school, tell them the same thing. Shut up, sit down and listen. And then we wonder why when we tell them as adults to get up and do something, all they'll do is shut up, sit down and listen. It's funny, but it's true. So I, I emailed her and I told her a big list of things. Do a pre-show, maybe board games, maybe a craft right before before service even starts. Help them set up, have them help you set up the room. Then go through the rules, have a reward structure and a consequence structure set up and clearly uh, go through your expectations with those kids. I know it seems basic, but tell these kids what you expect of them and tell them what will happen if they obey. Tell them what will happen if they don't. And then break everything up. Kids love beginnings and endings. You know, even in big church, when the pastor says in closing, or let me say this before we close, the congregation starts moving and and grooving and putting their stuff away and all this. Even in college classes, I remember we used to do that and I thought it was so disrespectful to the professor. We love beginnings and we love endings. So, so chop your stuff up. And I know in my Ranger kids class, I just recently did a four week training with my Ranger guys and even just moving to different parts of the room to sit on the floor to do the devotion and then move over to the other corner and have an area cleared for a small game, um, moving to tables for, for working on a project. And then, you know, just, just doing things in different parts of the rooms, making very logical, you know, obvious breaks in the, the, the service. Don't sit there and talk to them the whole time. Do a Q&A session. Do a game. Um, do some songs. Do prayer requests. Throw these things in here and keep it chopped up. All right? If you need any other help, you know, ask. Email us and we'll try to help you, Joanna. The other thing you, you that I wanted to hit is you said they need to respect me and the teacher more. And that's true. That's true. They do. They really, really do need to respect you. But we do not Kids do not respect you anymore based on your position. They respect you based on your relationship with them. And one of the best ways to get an easy, quick relationship with a kid is simply show them that you care. Um, the, sometimes these clubs are very, very underprepared for by the teacher. I, I hate it when I go into a missionettes class or a ranger class and the teacher has the manual right there in front of them and they don't have any props. They don't have anything. They're just reading it right out of the book. But they expect the people in the class, the kids, to take it more seriously than they took it themselves. And so I've created this little saying, and I'm probably not the first to come up with it, but I just say this, 99% of frustration alleviation is preparation. If you come into that class and you own that class, from the moment they walk in, the lights are on, the tables are set up, the chairs are arranged, their first project is already on the table, you've got three or four more already ready to go for the next segment, the teachers are in there, you're at the head of the class, you're instructing them where to sit, you own that room, and that gives you a air of authority and for the rest of the class, it's yours. Now, if you have a class of girls that you're leading and they run ahead and they get in there and then you walk in last, they own it and they're the boss. I'm serious. Little things like that make a huge difference. Uh, so 
you know, that respect will come when, when you're consistent and when you have prepared quality stuff and, and get them segments in there and work in ways for them to work off that energy. Let them talk, let them communicate, but control that chaos and use it to make your class better. I hope that helps. Hey, uh, that was from Joanna. Thanks guys for your work. It's been good to have something to listen to and to get my creative juices flowing. I will point my volunteers to your site. And they've all listened to all five, seven, six episodes and they've moved on. God bless from Sadie, children's worker at Gold Hill Baptist Church somewhere in America. Um, Brett says, one of the ways we've tried to communicate is through our five minute countdown videos before the main service. We get about the last minute where 95% of the people are already in the auditorium. Brett, that's awesome. Brett, thanks for sharing. Hopefully you guys can use some of that. Um, Benjamin writes, I just want to say I appreciate your ministry through your podcast. I'm a children's, I'm a younger children's pastor that's new to this ministry. And even though I've only listened to two of your shows, uh, you have been able to speak advice into my life. Thank you for the time and dedication to this ministry, Benjamin from Mount Morris, uh, Michigan, not Missouri. Rebecca writes, I have uh, served in children's ministry as a volunteer for a number of years in many different capacities. My area of focus has been mainly in the preschool age children. I have recently moved interstate, I guess that means inside the state, and I'm now attending a plant from my last church. You're sitting under a magnolia bush that was given to you by the pastor of the last church you were at. Sorry, this is a little bit of nobody's listening, blending in with CM Monthly. Uh, The church is about eight months old with a children's program that is three months old. I've been asked and I felt led to start a program specifically for primary age kids, elementary age. Okay, primary school. This must be uh, somebody that went to primary school instead of elementary school. Anyway, there uh, there currently isn't anything age-specific, and I feel like it's more like babysitting, the little bit that they do have. Here's why I'm writing. I'm slightly freaking out. We've all been there. Although feeling slightly better with each one of your podcasts, where do I start? I've uh, recently run a children's program by myself before, but I'm feeling somewhat overwhelmed by a lack of experience and I have... Uh, and having to build something from the ground up, any advice you could give would be very welcome. Continue with this great resource and impacting the lives of those within the children's ministry field. Rebecca. Okay, so basically you're just asking, how in the world do I get started? And hopefully by now you've figured this out. But for those of you that maybe are in her boots, her same place, starting a children's ministry from scratch, um, I don't know, man. That's exciting. I, I love that idea. So many of us have had to walk into something that's already in place and that already has rules and expectations already set up, a set already there. But if you're starting from scratch, the, there are no limits. The first thing I would say is really just pray. Just uh, that's, that's not even the last thing I'd say. The first thing is just pray and ask God for guidance and wisdom, wisdom beyond your experience and wisdom beyond your years. Uh, again, God's calling you to this. He will empower you and he will give you uh, things that, you know, ideas that people will comment on later and say, I cannot believe that you did it that way because uh, we just never would have thought that would work. It, it's like you knew exactly what was supposed to be done for this service. Um, the other thing is, is you know, really seek out the advice of other children's pastors in your area and uh, see if there's any kind of networking meetings going on. Uh, check out a uh, good curriculum. I know, for instance, I use group uh, publishing stuff for my children's ministry, mostly because it's synchronized between the preschoolers and the uh, upper elementary. I love that. Um, 
And I love that because it's synchronized with the midweek program and the Sunday night program that we use, they get the same verse, the same Bible story told in just different ways, using the same basic points. And uh, that's just one more way to just really get that drilled into into their heads. Um, I would say start small. Don't try to be perfect right out of the box. You know, you will never know the changes that you've made because you weren't there before you were there. And I know that sounds silly, but think about that. You, you walk in and you think, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. What? I got to just change the entire. No, you know what? I really wouldn't change anything for the first year. Get get some basic stuff established, but don't change a whole lot at first because you just walking in the room is changing the dynamics of that ministry so much that it, it might be a little bit for uh, any existing volunteers to catch up with. The other thing I would say, speaking of volunteers, is anybody you do have, put them to work. Keep them in the loop. Do not exclude them. They've been there longer than you, and they deserve uh, just out of out of honor. And and you know you could really get a lot out of them, but they deserve to be included in building this ministry. They could really tell you what they've done, what they haven't done, and take their advice, incorporate them, put them on the stage. Do not make it the pastor Rebecca show. Use as many people as you can, uh, so that ministry can be bigger than you. And uh, then the last thing is discipline. Just really, really from the beginning, get yourself a pretty strong list of rules. I wouldn't make it more than three or four. Uh, some of the effect of, uh, you know, be quiet when you're supposed to be quiet, be loud when you're supposed to be loud, um, keep all your stuff put away and treat other people better than they treat you. I mean, those are my four rules. Uh, we we follow those. And I would also set up a consequence structure and a reward structure, exaggerating the benefits of doing good and exaggerating the consequences of doing wrong. And um, and then just sit down with your pastor. That should have been probably number two. And ask him what he wants. If he if he says go for it, then hallelujah to you. If uh, if he has stuff he wants incorporated, do your best. And if it's a problem, never let him know. Never let him know. Uh, resources this week. I don't have any. We kind of. Uh, I, I was gonna do. We'll we'll provide some resources next week. I will count Monkey in the Middle podcast as a resource. Go over there and check him out. In the meantime. You can check us out online at cmmonthly.com. You can email your comments and questions and ideas and input to cmmonthly at gmail.com. And uh, you can actually call in and hear your own voice on the show next time. Uh, Call us at 206-350-4695. God bless you. This has been um, uh, Children's Ministry Monthly, episode number seven, brought to you April 22nd, 2007. Till next time, God bless. Remember, get that attitude straight. Support your pastor. And uh, just be blessed. Be blessed, be filled, and be gone, people.